0: What a delight to see you again here. Uh, <coughs> I used to, when I didn't get a long introduction, I would start off saying, "Beautiful bit of being with you blokes, I'm from Limehouse, England, I am, and me missus like you to come up to our flat, you know, I drive a blooming cab in Limehouse, and I feel right at home with you uneducated people, I do. <laughs> and I'd talk that way and say, I'm really not from Limehouse, I'm really from Ireland. It's a bit all right to be seeing you here. I wonder how many of you are wearing the green and, and you're from Ireland. You come down to the pint, uh, we'd have a pint of bitters together, you know, that way. But I'm not really from Ireland. I'm from uh, Scotland. And if you want to look like you're from Scotland, you learn to roll your eyes and grunt, and you got it. Uh, <coughs> Ah, madame et monsieur, my name is André from Paris. Hey, baby, it's so good to talk with you. Walk to <laughs> the Champs-Élysées with me. We'll go to the ice of Tawel and look over the city of love. Huh? Anyway, I used to do things like that on the radio. No wonder it's gone. <clears throat> uh, I am, uh, those of you who've come And you're here, I'm going to give you some New Year's fuel. Some things, you're aware that unless you make notes of what happened this last year, in a year or two, you won't remember it unless someone died or something like that. And so the years slip by, and they're never in cement in your life. You need to know, so I, I call it a spiritual inventory, a... a navigator uh, fighter pilot in the Navy in World War II gave me this. I'm just, because it's on tape, I'm I'm just going to give this to you, and you can pick up the different things. But we did this every year with our family. Our teenagers did it, and my wife did it, and I did it. Then we got together on New Year's week, and we shared the things from the past year. And if you don't have some plan or journal or something, in a few years you won't remember the past year. We need a spiritual inventory to grow stronger. Rick Warren writes, When you understand that life is a test, you realize that nothing is insignificant in your life. Even the smallest incident has significance for your character development. You'll be tested by major changes, delayed promises, impossible problems, unanswered prayers, undeserved criticism, even senseless tragedies. But we need to record them. So first you record the past. List the greatest blessings from God this past year in your family, your work, your personal life. Two, what is the greatest trial, national, family, job, health, that you had this past year. Third, list in order the best of your answers to prayer this past year. Four, list happenings or circumstances you don't understand. When my wife died and a thousand people were praying for her, I didn't understand. I couldn't believe she died. Too many people were praying for her. And she died from infection in a hospital with 16 other patients and a brand new hospital. Infection after infection, bang, took her. The Lord took her. <clears throat> List a specific lesson the Lord taught you this past year. Did He teach you anything? Have you recorded it where you don't, He doesn't, it, listen, if you don't learn it, He teaches you, He gives it to you again. <laughs> Oh, man, I've gone a few years with the same lesson. <clears throat> That's the past. Present, what is the Lord trying to teach you now? So we have the past, present, and the future. Where And you fill this in with someone you love or some, someone on your team or someone in your class, and and there will be some fabulous things you'll learn from those that you're with. What is the Lord trying to teach you now? What are you praying for about marriage, children, Job, church, those who don't know Christ. What are you praying now for? Now, the future. What is your priority for this new year? Regarding your personal life, walk with God, family, business, ministry. What prayer goals will you begin what is God saying to you about the new year? We know things economically. I know millionaires that are taking all their money out of the stock market. Uh, I know others that are putting, making millions putting it in. Another, can you set any goals regarding witnessing? As a pastor, I started off with a church running about 700, of which 500 were over 65. That's called a dead church. I did a lot of funerals. I had to get new couples. I had to get people coming with children. When you walk into the nursery, you pass three nurseries with beds and no one in them. I needed those beds full of kids. I needed to reach families. I cried out to the Lord for a thousand in Sunday school. took me eight years to get it but that was my goal. I did everything I could think of to get people there where they could hear the Word of God and get saved. And I had a goal to give the gospel to someone every day. (laughs) Dawson Trotman, one of my mentors and my major life shaper, had an hour a day with God. He had a witness a day. He had a verse a day. A number of, of the way he had it lined up. And after World War II, when most of his guys on the GI Bill went into uh, into universities and all, and they stopped some of those everything every day, then he got very angry about universities. He spoke against higher education. He had never had any. He simply was the most disciplined person I ever knew. He, He skied perfectly the first time he water skied. He started painting, and you wanted the picture when he was through with it, the first picture he ever painted. Amazing, amazing man. And so Bill Bright came to Doss. Doss was on Bill Bright's board and seven other boards. And he said, Bill said to him, Doss, what if you could have some guys working with the Navigators that had a Ph.D., And they won people to Christ every week. Uh, They memorized scripture. They had a godly family. They had discipline. Would you love to have a guy like that? He said, yeah, I would, but there are not many. He says, I got them. But you'll never get them knocking education on the head. Dawson was the only man I knew who could make a 180-degree turn in one minute and not do it again. I was sitting on the second row taping his message. He let me do that. He didn't let anyone else do it. He let me do it. And when it was over on that thing, he said, walk with me, Waylon, to the uh, chow hall. He put his arm around me. He said, what did I do wrong? I said, what do you mean, what did you do wrong? You're the greatest communicator I know. He moves those hands, and everyone is watching those hands, and, and he leads people, the whole group of 200 guys singing without a piano or anything like that, and it's absolutely fabulous. He said, I told you, I remember I asked you, had you had a course in, in preaching? Yes. He said, I never had a course in preaching. So you tell me what I'm doing wrong. I said, I can't do that. He said, do you love me? Yes, sir. Then tell me what I did wrong. I said, it was so small. He said, nothing small. Trifles make perfection, and perfection is no trifle, Michelangelo. Uh, I said, well, Dawson, you had some change in your right pocket, and, and, and you'd stick your hand in your pocket, and you'd rattle the change, and I could hear it on the second row. He said, oh, 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 oh. He took the change out of its pocket, put it in his back pocket, and he never rattled change again. That's a 180-degree turn. That was Trotman, one of the things there. All right. Uh, So anyway, now that's just one thing you can do. But I want to mention a couple of other things that you can do. I want to mention something so simple that you've probably never done it. Read a book through every day of the Bible for a month, and you'll know that book better than any other book in the Bible. You read it every day, all the way through. If you stop to answer the phone, you have to start over. <laughs> you read it all the way through at one sitting. Philippians, 12 minutes. Ephesians, 16 minutes. And you read it every day. And you look for things different every day. You at your first week, you just read it. Then you start looking for something specific every time you read. You're looking just for one thing, and you take notes. Promises to believe. What does it say about evangelism? What is the best word in in that flavors the whole book? Uh, What does it say about sin? What does it say about discipleship? What does it say about the church? Uh, What does it say about the family? You're looking for one thing each time you read it through, and I'm taking notes. And by the end of the time, I've. You can start with Philippians because that's a honey. And you can read it quickly. And you look for something different each time you read it, so it's fresh every time you read it. If you really want to do something fun, I, I, I did this every summer. I traveled. I was all over the world and. You read the New Testament and look for every name and title of Jesus in every chapter as you read through all the way to Revelation. You know, of course, that the Lion of the tribe of Judah is only mentioned once in Revelation. People remember that they make the big poster with the Lion of the tribe of Judah and all that. It's only mentioned once. He wasn't a lion. That wasn't his biggie. The name Jesus is only used a dozen times or so. What's the biggest name used in the book of Revelation? The Lamb of God. Over 30 times. Wow. He wants us to get to know him as the Lamb. With the personality of the, of the Lamb. With the flexibility of the Lamb. With willingness to follow the shepherd of the Lamb. Wow. So read a book through 30 times. Mm. Uh, and then the third thing, and I'll teach you how. Meditate on a verse of Scripture uh, for a whole week. <clears throat> one verse per week where you do a meditation. All right. That's just for those who came early. I'm giving you that one. Now, <clears throat> I want to give you a quote from one of my mentors, Howard Hendricks, from Dallas Seminary. The Lord called home finally at in his, in his, uh, a plate in his skull and... Uh, had lost use of an eye, and, uh, but he continued to be used of the Lord. He mentored guys like David Jeremiah and Chuck Swindoll, uh, people like that that really sat at his feet. And if you knew him a long time, he was Howie. So I always called him Howie. I didn't know his name was Howard, but Howie is what I call him. Way back years ago. The greatest crisis today is the crisis of leadership. And the greatest crisis of leadership is the crisis of character. Now, character is the result of four things the choices you make, the values you embrace, the crisis you experience, and the mentor you choose. Who do you allow to influence major decisions in your life? Everyone needs a mentor. Uh, I, I'm, I use the mentoring, discipling uh, interchangeably because I mentor <coughs> using discipleship. Uh, there are eight kinds of mentors uh, there are the intentional mentors, the Discipler, the coach, the parent, uh, and uh, the historical mentor. There's the occasional mentor, the teacher, the sponsor, the counselor. Uh, These are some of the the basic kinds of mentors. Some are much more demanding than others. Uh Most leaders are lost because of ethical disasters. There are one or two people that could have been president, If they had been ethical in their marriage, they'd be president today. Uh, There's some that would have position of high honor, maybe on the Supreme Court or something like that, if they had been ethical. I think of mayors in cities in Texas that I heard that probably would have been elected president, but they couldn't stay married and faithful to their wife. And Virginia, it just goes on and on and on. It's a tragedy. <clears throat> our choices are shaped by our convictions and by what and who surrounds us. We're marked by what we will not do as well as what we will do. Character is really another word for Christ likeness. Any scripture verse when eaten will mark your life, I think of five passages that we need to major on in our life. The Ten Commandments, from Exodus 20. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The Upper Room Discourse, John 13 through 17. Walking in the Spirit, Galatians 5, 19 to 26, and so forth. And Peter's list of essentials in 2 Peter 1, 5 to 7. Uh, Real Bible knowledge is always personal and applicable. We're not trying just to gain knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but love builds up. We want to gain knowledge for it to shape our life into Christlikeness. So anyway, I wanted you to have that, to me, a great quote. And then we're going into the power of one. Uh, Ian Bounds said, Preachers are not sermon makers, but men makers and saint makers. Isaiah 60, 22, a little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in his time. In writing an introduction to the history of AT&T, Robert Greenleaf, a researcher, discovered an amazing fact. One mid-level manager at AT AT&T had mentored four of the current 12 international presidents of AT&T. Dozens of others in their mid and upper management positions flowed from this one mentor. Researcher Greenleaf says he's probably the most influential executive producer in America. Forty miles south of Turkey, on the Mediterranean island of Cyprus, after the death of Stephen, believers escaped to the small island they started a church. Among those already saved there was a man named Joseph. He started a tidal wave of the gospel. He mentored two men, a teenager who quit the ministry and a hyperthyroid 10 salesman named Saul of Tarsus. And he mentored these men. One, his name was, he was named Barnabas the encourager. How rich he is in glory. God wants you to mentor and multiply. You don't have to reach many but you reach them deeply, you model before them, you love them and believe God great things for them. We do it with our kids sometimes, but we need to do it. Everyone here needs to be involved with one or two other people of the same sex in in your church or in a club or somewhere where you guys are praying together and and you're crying together and you're seeking God's will together and you're evangelizing together. You can't leave this, You can't leave evangelism out of discipleship, or it's it's just table stuff. You got to get out where the lost people are. Uh, my wife carried tracts in her purse, and when she passed away, every purse had tracts in it, or or I knew she had given them all given them all out of that purse uh, to share the gospel. Uh, We want to look at this piece by piece. <clears throat> look at the promise in Isaiah 60, 22. The fun thing about Isaiah 60, it's by Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. And Isaiah 61, 1 3 is a photograph of the ministry goals of Jesus. And those three verses are just jam loaded, 61, 1 to 3. but 6022. And a, a friend of mine gave me this gave me this outline which I like. A little one must become a thousand. World population is now about 8 billion. Jesus says we're to pray for laborers. The more people, the more laborers we need. We're not catching up, we're getting behind for laborers. <clears throat> Every major denomination is showing negative results as far as the number of people compared to the year before almost every major all over the world. Only Southern Baptists kept ahead until about two years ago and now uh, we don't have as many new people as we lose. Uh, A little one must become a thousand. Why are there so few laborers? First Satan's attack. He doesn't want you to pray for laborers. And if I were to ask for hands, how many of you in the past 30 days have asked God to raise up laborers for the harvest? Not many hands would go up. Because that's not, we're not thinking strategy. And this is why Jesus said in, my, in Matthew 9, 36, When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will thrust, push, shove, send out, violent Greek term, laborers to the harvest. Because people are hanging on to keep from going where they've never gone and doing what they've never done. <clears throat> Satan's attack. Secondly, the idea of a laborer, it's work. Jesus described himself as a laborer in John 4. 34 and 35. you want to be like Jesus? you're going to have to work? John 4:34 and 35 <clears throat> Jesus saith unto him, my meat is to do the will that, of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not yet there, four months and then cometh harvest. behold I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, they're ripe to harvest. And in John 9, 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And in John seventeen four, he said, I finished the work you gave me to do. But he hadn't died on the cross. What's he, what work is he talking about? I finished the work you gave me to do. He hadn't died on the cross, but he said he'd finished the work. On the cross in 1930, he did say it had finished, and then he died. What work is he talking about in John 17? Making disciples. The whole prayer is on discipleship. It's on investing in people and helping them grow. And and two of the great verses in love in all the Bible are in John 17, 23, and 26. And just in case you don't realize this, Jesus says in verse 23 that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Wow. You want to get hugged? Meditate on that one for a while. John 17, 23. God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Verse 26, you say, I just can't have love. I can't have love for this old guy. I can't have love for this. Well, you don't have to have love. You can take God's love, verse 26. God is going to give you his love for anyone you're willing to to let him give it to you. Yeah, you can love. I talked to people, I read biographies of people who were tortured almost every day in Romanian jails. And they loved and prayed for their jailers, and finally, when they got out, I think eighty percent of the jailers had been converted through the life of the people that they had tortured, who had loved them in spite of what they did supernatural well we're to be supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural <clears throat> now um Another reason that we're not going after laborers, we've lost sight of the rewards. If you can't have it now, you don't want to have faith to believe you're going to get it. Remember, all the time we live on earth is like a dot in a line that stretches 10 billion miles out into space. And that dot represents all the time on earth. And the rest of it is eternity with God or in a burning fire. Wow. We've lost sight of rewards. Do we really believe Jesus is coming? He says, with my reward in my hand. And then, last, we've lost sight, we've lost focus on laborers. It's decisions we're after, rather than laborers. George Boyne had a book on evangelism that worked, and I really enjoyed it, and was convicted by it, because he went on to talk about examining a church, and they had so many decisions a Sunday, And yet when he added up the total people that were in the church at the end of the year, I think there were 10 more than there were before, but they had averaged 10 or 15 people making decisions every Sunday. What kind of decision? If it doesn't change what you do on Monday, nothing happened on Sunday. My son says this because he heard me say it. Good people go to hell. Bad people go to hell. Only forgiven people go to heaven. Have you been truly forgiven? Have you repented? Have you put yourself where you're holding only to Jesus Christ to get you there? And and going to church won't make it. Being baptized won't make it. Being nice and good won't make it. Jesus, you got to ride on Jesus to get to heaven. <clears throat> of 50 who volunteer for foreign missions, only one goes. <clears throat> I'm from Florida. I grew up in Fort Worth, but I've been in Florida. I've been in a in a uh, desert. No chicken fried steak, no barbecue brisket, <laughs> no Tex-Mex. That's suffering for Jesus. But <laughs> well, let them know
1: you had some, yeah.
0: But. My friend took me to the place for uh, ribs and brisket, <clears throat> and I had two helpings. We went the buffet route. Uh, so in Florida, out of 2,000 churches, 400 won or baptized less than five people in 12 months. Why are they there? Surrounded by millions of lost people. They, that, those are probably all the kids. Of 101 and baptized, uh, none. That, that one over 100 and baptized that particular year, except two giant churches. Uh, here's a church that lists 5,000 coming on Sundays, and a staff member told me we're only running 2,500. But we're afraid to tell the pastor because he's living in a dream world that he has 5,000. And they've lost 50% of their people. I can't tell the pastor. And then another church had plateaued, and, and he keeps firing staff, blaming the staff for it. Uh, a little one not only must become a 1,000, secondly, a little one can become a 1,000. Uh, really, it says shall become a 1,000. Andrew became a thousand. Let's uh, let me demonstrate if you'll let me walk around a little bit here. Um, since you're down on the second row chewing, would you stand up and be Andrew? <laughs> All right. Would you go find your brother Simon Peter somewhere? Go find Simon. Uh, qu- All right. Stand Simon. All right. The big fisherman. There he is. No, the big dog. The big dog. <laughs> the big dog. Okay. Okay. Simon. Simon preached at Pentecost and 3,000 were saved. Touch a row or two and everyone on that row stand. Anyone you dislike. Okay. Everyone on the row will you stand. Uh, t- t- get another row. Three uh, rows. Three rows. Okay. That's the people saved at Pentecost. All right. Now, now it says those that saved at Pentecost went to Antioch. So would you, would you, three here on the end, three ladies, would you go to another row and touch that? Your your missionaries to the church at Antioch. You three, just just touch. No, 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 they're back there in the back. No, no, that row is too small. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, the Antioch church stand. oh. Uh, One's enough. The church isn't that big. But anyway, all right. Okay. Now, I want you just to see. All right, you may be seated. Now, Andrew, uh, come on up here. Do I need to swallow my gum? No. (laughs) No, we can gum it together. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) who are the big guns in the book of Acts? The first 12 chapters, Peter. Peter. The rest of it, Paul. They're the big ones. Do you have Peter's and Paul's in your church? No. You can't find them. But Andrews can find Peter's. And Barnabas can find Paul's. The key to changing the world is not Peter's and Paul's. It's the Andrews that are already in your church. That sit by you. When they give their lives to Christ and be available to him, then the multiplication things start, and you're tracking it, and you're making sure, no, it's not enough that, that we've reached one person, or have we trained them to reach someone? Thank you, Andy. That's the key. <laughs> That's the key. Uh, I found a, a tall West Texas boy named Max going to Texas A&M, and we bumped into each other and and, 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 and spent time with him and prayed for him, now for over 50 years, uh, this 1958 I met him, and, uh, and uh, uh, he, he worked with a guy named Billy, uh, that was, who's, uh, was an oil man's son in West Texas, Billy Hanks, and Billy spent time and hired a guy named uh, uh, Rick to help him uh, there, and Rick could play a great guitar. And I can remember him singing, every time I'm going to town, someone's kicking my dog around. And he, he sung that song. It was really funny. I, I hate to remember it, but I do. Uh, anyway, anyway, Rick went to California and started looking around, going door to door. And he planted a church and they had 30,000 people last Sunday, Rick Warren. I get a fraction of the action. I spent time with Max, who spent time with Billy, who spent time with Rick. Now, how much of the action, God's in charge of that. But I get a fraction of the action. What about you? Do you have any multiplication? 2 Timothy uh, 2.2, Paul said, uh, Timothy, the things that you've heard of me among many witnesses, imperative you must commit to faithful men able to teach others also. Paul to Timothy is addition. Only when Timothy reproduces do you have multiplication. And the word commit is the Greek word to put inside of. May I ask, have you put anything inside of anyone over a year old? (laughs) Feed them. Has anything gotten inside of anyone that's percolating and zooming so much that it's changing their life? They have to tell others about what they're learning from the Lord Jesus Christ. Churches are dying because people are not reproducing. Denominations are dying. All over the world. I'm a trustee with the International Mission Board. We're running over a million dollars a month behind on what we need to support the missionaries already there. And as a pastor, I knew that people took their tithe and they took their vacation in the summer. Most people take a vacation in the summer. They don't send a check to the church in June, July, and August. Who do you think's paying the electric bill? Are the staff supposed to go without salary while you take your vacation? If you're not giving your money to the church when you're gone somewhere, you're not a disciple. You're not even thinking. You haven't made that commitment. You've got to do that. And, uh, But most pastors will tell you, we hope we make it till September because we didn't get any money for three months. Not enough to pay the bills. No. Now... <clears throat> Who can become a thousand? A little one. Not the biggies, not the smart ones, not the giants, not the millionaires, uh, not the property owners, not the oil well guys. The little one can become a thousand. Are you little enough to become a thousand? Are you little enough to trust in a big God? It's not how big you are, it's are you little enough? To trust the Lord and yield yourself to him to do his work. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. I believe that God wants some of you who have never thought about it. To make a commitment. To be, begin to be a thousand. <clears throat> As a little one. This year. Investing in at least one other person. Some of you, of course, you're working with your, your sons or daughters. And that's and you we, we've got to do that. And you need to bring heroes into your house, and you need to tell those men or women, I want you to talk to my sons and daughters. And so I had the, the head of servicemen's work for Campus Crusade in my house, and I whispered to him uh, as we drove to the house, I want you to talk to my kids, which he did. The average kid leaves the table because the family has to talk. No, my kids had to stay at the table. I wanted my guests to to talk to my kids. I got a, my son is my pastor and my daughter's a missionary in in Germany because men of God and women of God encouraged my children to, to be bigger and, and better and what they could be for Jesus Christ. What about you? Would you make a commitment to the Lord now? Lord, I'll be your little one to start with at least one other this year and invest in them and pray with them and love them. Love them. Do problem solving with them. Do time in the word and prayer with them. That's simple. In the flow of life. In the flow of life. If you haven't made that commitment already, but you'll make it now, would you just lift your hand and put it down where I know that where God's working in your life? Yes, thank you. Yes, yes. Yes, there are a number. Thank you at the back. Yes, sides, front, side. Thank you. Others, thank you back there. Yes. Yes, you can put it down. Others, yes, thank you. It will change your church. It will change your home. It will change your life because that's what Jesus did. Father, thank you for these who made this commitment and others that know that they should and some others that already have. Thank you, Father, that a little one shall become a thousand. For your glory, we thank you. Amen.